0: Welcome back to the show. You are listening to Talking Your Way to Change, the podcast that educates you about optimal mental health and psychotherapy. I am the host, Dr. Banker, and I'm coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I want to thank all of you listeners who have been coming on this journey with me. I am now venturing into the second season. This has been a profound learning journey as I learned to navigate the podcasting industry. Although it has been challenging, connecting with other mental health specialists and diving into the psychological research allows me to fill my own cup. If you are enjoying Talking Your Way to Change, thanks for tuning in. Please consider subscribing to the show. Subscribing is one of the ways for me to reach broader audiences. Also, if you think the content is worthwhile, share it with a friend. I am practicing my social media skills, and you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now, let's get into today's episode. Worries are like seeds that you plant in a garden. The more you tend to them, the more they grow. We all worry at times. Some people worry a lot, and persistently and excessively. And this worry is a hallmark symptom of generalized anxiety disorder. The American Psychological Association defines worry as a state of mental distress or agitation due to concern about an impending or an anticipated event, threat, or danger. So for those of you that worry or love someone that worries, this might be an insightful episode for you. When you worry, you are concerned about the future. Often worry begins with the what-ifs. If we worry too much, we make ourselves sick and become anxious. We can even make ourselves physically sick. Hence the phrase, I'm just sick with worry. When you are worried about something, it's easy to imagine the thing that could possibly happen is going to be the worst possible occurrence ever. Yet research has demonstrated that 85% of the predictions that worriers make do not come true. I like the APA's definition of worry because it, it says it's a mental state and not purely a thought or an emotion or a physiological state because the more we learn about worry, We start to see the research on it is really complicated and not completely clear cut as to what it is or why we do it. In today's episode, I will share a few things about what we do know about worry. I think the easiest way to conceptualize worry is to describe it as racing and or insidiously intrusive thoughts that we have about the future and its uncertainty. Here are some examples. What if I'm late for work? What if I have no one to go to lunch with? What if I don't have enough money to pay my bill? What if my child is not doing well enough at school? What if someone is mad at me? Or maybe that my parents will be in ill health? Or what if the pain in my chest means I'm having a heart attack? And these examples we see how worry begins as a cognition, a thought, and it is often future-oriented. So why do we worry? It's important to recognize that our cognitive ability to think about the future and recall our past learning is vital to our problem-solving. This process does allow us to maximize the good that can happen in our lives and minimize the bad. The catch is not to confuse worry with problem-solving. Often people get caught in worry because they believe it is helping them prepare for the future. The problem with this is that worry hinges on uncertainty. Life is ultimately uncertain. So despite how much you prepare or problem-solve, there will be factors beyond your control that remain uncertain. And we all have to learn to tolerate some degree of uncertainty. There might be benefits to why people worry, such as it keeps them motivated to keep performing. But this is a slippery slope because worry is not problem solving and it doesn't keep you safe and in and of itself does not improve performance. So what does it do? What have psychologists learned about worry? There have been different theories that have evolved over time and been researched. One of the first theories was done by a man named Thomas Borkovec, and he came up with a theory that worry keeps us from our emotions, and this was called the avoidance model. This theory indicated that constant worry was an avoidance mechanism, and it protected us from experiencing negative emotions and bodily sensations that are tied to anxiety. Using images of threatening situations, he found that chronic worriers did not show as much distress like physical or emotional experiences as non-worriers when shown catastrophic events. The worriers who were stuck in the hamster wheel of negative thoughts were actually protected to some degree from experiencing anxiety. We did learn that when people are worrying, they are not experiencing anxiety. However, we've also learned that the more you worry, the more anxiety you will have. Except you don't have it when you're worrying. Worrying leads to a sustained negative emotionality that non-worriers don't have. So you can see that worrying actually does have some benefit in the short term, and is reinforced but it's not completely straightforward because worrying creates this rebound anxiety the more we worry the more anxious we feel after we're done worrying and then the more anxious we feel the more we worry others have suggested that this process of reinforcement is conceptually analogous to the process of addiction by which substances used reduce immediate discomfort by preventing the user from fully facing and actually solving their emotional stress. For example, people use alcohol as a social lubricant to manage their anxiety. However, over time, the drinking of the alcohol can become a secondary problem and lead to addiction. Okay, let's go back to the research. So more recent findings have established that worry creates a more chronic state of negative emotionality and sustained because of what is called the contrast avoidance theory. The contrast avoidance theory suggests that some people prefer a lower level of chronic emotionality to feeling more positive because then when something bad happens, it is not as painful. When a negative event follows positive emotion, we have a much more dramatic emotional contrast. In this world, we are protecting ourselves from the sharp negative emotional contrast. So instead of experiencing the crushing negative disappointment, they experience less distress. The other interesting finding is that when we experience a positive event after a state of chronic low emotionality, so the worriers, we experience a heightened positive emotion. You can see how worrying is actually rewarded and is very difficult to treat or give up. Another finding is that when non-worriers are confronted with a threat, they respond strongly with fear and a rapid heart rate. And after repeated exposure, this anxiety greatly diminishes. So if I'm afraid to go in an elevator and I go in the elevator after the 10th and I'm afraid to go in the elevator after the 10th time, I'm not going to be that afraid. Not so with warriors. They don't experience the same level of extinction from exposure. It takes them a lot longer. So learning and understanding the powerful mechanisms at play with worry can help us all realize that telling someone that they should just stop worrying is completely useless. If you suffer from worry, talk with your therapist about how some of these factors might be reinforcing your worry. If you give up the worry, you will greatly improve the quality of your life. However, in the short run, you are likely to be more distressed and possibly distressed longer than your non-worrying counterparts. The takeaway is... Worrying might be providing some grace from crushing disappointment, but it also keeps you locked in a vicious cycle of anxiety and worry. And ultimately, facing your fears and learning how to regulate your emotions leads to a much better and healthier and adaptive way to be in the world. Worry is keeping you from feeling your emotions. And these emotions are a natural and powerful healing process that can lead us to even more creative solutions to our problems. Worry is something that we do. It's not who we are. You can learn to live free of the imprisonment of worry. The more you educate yourself about worry, the more motivated you might be to change. Okay, I'll leave resources and research on this episode in the notes. Until next time, this is Dr. Banker. Thanks for joining us this week on Talking Your Way to Change. You can also visit our Facebook page. You can subscribe to the show on Anchor or iTunes so that you never miss an episode. If you found value in this show, we would appreciate a ratings on iTunes, or you could just simply tell a friend. I need to alert everyone that this podcast is not meant as a substitution for mental health treatment. So although the podcast deals with psychotherapy, this is not your psychotherapy. Okay, thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Dr. Banker.